Father, we uh, come before you. We pray that your word would be hallowed, your name would be hallowed, you would be made famous. We would look to you. We would look to your scriptures. You would reveal yourselves, yourself, and you would change our mind and our hearts uh, to be conformed to you, to your pattern here this morning. Amen. So, I, don't know, I can't remember what, uh, I think I said something. We're going to talk about hospitality this morning. So, uh, to some, this might just be like really encouraging because we live in a pretty hospitable church. Uh, as I look around, I've been over to pretty much everybody's house um, at one point or time. Uh, this might be more of an exhortation to others, um, but one of the things I want to look at um, and kind of remind us of is just the pattern of hospitality, how to use hospitality, and just to give everybody a bigger vision of how the Lord could use hospitality and its, its purpose uh, amongst ourselves and to others. And so I think, uh, we'll get to it at the end, I think we can be very strategic in our hospitality. We should be ready to welcome others, as in those in our own household, in our own church, and we should be ready to welcome everybody you see here and everybody you see at the 930 and everybody who's on the live stream and everybody who's watching in India. Uh, you should be ready to welcome those people into your house. You should be um, ready to, to host them, to, uh, to bring them in. Um, but we should also be ready and have strategic homes to welcome in outsiders, and our attitudes should be aligned with that. So as we start, uh, let's just talk real quick about what is hospitality. Um, so I always like studying and getting ready for sermon preps and, and stuff on Wednesdays because it gives you the opportunity to, normally if you're just like reading through scripture, you might like something might come up and you're like, oh, I've got a question about that. And uh, you find this interesting and you follow some stream of thought and you're really just going with whatever you like. I don't know if that's how you guys do it, but that's how I do it. Uh, when I'm studying, it's just whatever, you know, the Lord's directing me or, or tickling my fancy. Uh, that's the way I'm going. But when you're studying and presenting something or you're thinking of how can I help a community of people, it's not just all about you and you're thinking of a little bit others, um, or at least you should be. And so I like when studying, I usually look more at the Greek words and or the Hebrew words or something. Um, and so... A lot of times, because I'm pretty uneducated for the most part, uh, at least in the uh, sense of higher education, uh, I like thinking like, okay, can I define this word? So if someone were to ask you like, what is hospitality? You might just say, well, it's being hospitable. And you're like, good, you're on the right track. Um, but I really like, because I like to think, do I actually know what this word means? And then I look it up and I figure out if I'm living in reality or not. Um, and so you could ask yourself that about hospitality. But anyways, uh, the Greek word hospitality in, that's used in the New Testament literally means to welcome strangers. It's just being friendly and welcoming to strangers. And so we're going to look at some biblical mandates um, for hospitality. We're going to look at Christ's pattern, how he's our pattern for hospitality. And then lastly, we'll look at just how to be, how we can maybe be more strategic with hospitality. So one thing we just have a common understanding is um, welcome, hospitality is welcoming strangers, but we're going to see biblical mandates to welcome strangers that you go to church with 
or that are in your community. And so it's not just welcoming strangers of people on the street that you don't know. You can be hospitable to anybody in the church because you're welcoming somebody into your home who doesn't belong there. I'm looking around and uh, nobody, well, except for Kyle, uh, <laughs> I got ahead of myself. Uh, I was going to say, I don't live with anybody. Nobody lives in my house, except for Kyle. Uh, so nobody belongs in my house. I could be hospitable to you. So we have to think about it in terms of uh, evangelistically, we'll think of the greater picture of welcoming in outsiders, but being hospitable to those in our own household as well. And so we'll just, I don't have, I didn't give you guys any outlines, so we're going to be flipping through passages. Feel free to grab a pew Bible or your phones and look there, but I'll be reading them. Um, the first one comes from 1 Peter 4, 8 and 9. which says, above all, keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. And so there's a simple mandate that's coming from 1 Peter. Uh, we, we're tying this in with loving one another. This is a characteristic trait of how do we love one another? We welcome each other in, into our homes. And as we get into it, we'll see that there's a pattern of how we live in a community lifestyle um, that we as a church, as a Christian community are called to. And one of those things, and, and even you see it in, in Acts, in Acts chapter two of, they're just going from house to house, breaking bread, meeting with one another. And we kinda wanna get the biblical vision, not kinda, we definitely wanna get the biblical vision of hospitality. And, and we'll look at Christ as our ultimate pattern, but we could also look at how the disciples play that out in Acts. But, this is a mandate. Be hospitable to one another. That's how you show love for one another. You can't get to define how you show love in whatever ways you want towards other people. You have to let God define that. And so with hospitality, it says be hospitable without complaint. Uh, has anybody ever like thrown a party or had people over or, uh, and then you invited people over and then they spilled something and you're like, man, I really wish I didn't invite that guy. Oh, geez. Uh, or, you know, you're kind of um, maybe pressured or someone pressured you into say, well, you should invite this person. You know, they don't have, you should invite them to the party. And you're like, oh, okay. And you do it kind of begrudgingly. There's a reason why there's a biblical mandate in here that says do it without complaint because we want to complain. I want to invite everybody over and I want you to act how I want you to act and do exactly how I want you to do everything. I want you to eat and I want you to be quiet and I want you to say things. And that's the only way I can do it and not be, have any complaints is if you do it exactly how I want. But that's why we have a mandate is because uh, we fall into this trap of we want to be hospitable and we fall into this legalism of, well, I'm being hospitable. I had them over for dinner or I invited them to the party and then we complain. <laughs> uh, that guy smells bad or something. Um, but this is a command to be a certain kind of person it's a command to show delight without any murmuring, without any hesitation. Don't be um, slow to welcome people in, especially within the household of faith that we live in. And so this is, this is a call just to internal hospitality. It's not talking about outsiders yet. And most of the mandates will come uh, that we'll read are just about internal hospitality, how we operate as a community of people Right? So why? Why is there internal hospitality? 
Well, at one point, we were all outsiders. Uh, Ephesians 2.12, um, which is, uh, this was one of my favorite verses when I, the Lord first converted me. Uh, well, I'm going to read probably, let's read Ephesians 2.12 through like 15. Let's add a little bit here. Ephesians 2, 12 through 14. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated, which I think I wrote, the, that's the ESV, the NASB says excluded, alienated or excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. So don't ever forget that's who you are outside of Christ. You're a stranger. You're an alien. You're out in the world. Uh, you're left to yourself. There's not really anyone to protect you, anyone to guard you, and you're on your own. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hospitality. I'm sorry, I'm, hostility. <laughs> the dividing, there's no dividing wall of hospitality. Uh, he broke down the dividing wall of hostility. Um, so uh, that's who we're supposed to remember who we are. That's one of the main reasons um, that I see of why we need to be hospitable to one another. You guys were alienated. You guys were strangers. I was strangers. Everybody here was outside of Christ and just left to their own devices. But he's brought us together, right? And um, one of the reasons why, just a side note, why I like this uh, verse so much, because it, you know, there's all, all things throughout scripture, especially Peter says like, I'll, you know, by way of reminder, I'll remind you of these things. And he says that multiple times. But here Paul's saying, remember who you were before Christ, and so when you think and meditate on these things, and especially in context where you're saying you've been brought near, you were excluded from the commonwealth of Israel, from the land, from the common, uh, common pot, common collection, common uh, things of the people of God, but he brought you in. Don't ever forget that. And that should be a huge motivation for us to welcome everybody in this room into our house, to host them, to have dinner with them, to uh, uh, invite them to every event, event we have. And so hospitality has everything to do with Christ. Absolutely everything. That should be our main motivation. Um, I often fall into patterns of legalism where I'm just like, well, it says be hospitable, so I'm going to be hospitable, and it says do it without complaint, so I'll keep my mouth shut. But uh, that doesn't change my heart at all. <laughs> that just changes some outward form of my actions that builds up uh, frustrations until I consider what Christ has done to me for me and given it over to him. And so uh, has everything to do with Christ, about how he welcomed us in, how we were strangers, how we were outside of the covenant, and now we are inside. And so one of the things I like about hospitality and just living in a community-style church is, um, this is maybe a topic for another sermon, but there's true and false conversion. 
So you, uh, I can't look around and say, hey, this guy's converted, this guy's not, uh, there's a real Christian, but, or this side's the real Christians, this side's the false Christians. I sit on this side usually, so these are the real Christians, and these are the false Christians, and that's how we can tell. But how do we know? It's the commonwealth, right? He says, Paul says, exclude from the commonwealth. Everybody that is in this room is included in the commonwealth of who God has joined us together, um, to work together, to be together. And so I can't tell who's a real or false convert, but I'm called to be hospitable and welcome everybody in this room in, right? And so um, I won't read my crass note that I put about dispensationalism, uh, but we're going to look at Leviticus 19.33. And so what's the song... um, I think it's in Christ alone that we sing yesterday at the wedding uh, that talks about the law of Christ. Or maybe it was, no, also in the the vows that if you guys came to the wedding yesterday, it talks about bringing up your children in the law of Christ. Does anybody remember that? Anybody remember the vows? We got one. All right, Leviticus 19.33. So I say that is because a lot of times in the New Testament, um, we read things, but if we don't have the backing of the Old Testament scriptures, then uh, we're often left to make up our own interpretation. And so let's see what the commonwealth, what Israel was called to do as a nation, as a people set apart. Leviticus 19.33. These are laws about the sojourner. Um, so verse 33 of Leviticus 19 When a stranger sojourns with you in your land, you shall do him no wrong. You shall treat the stranger who sojourns with you as the native among you, and you shall love him as yourself. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. So just to unpack this a little bit, this is a civil command. This is how the nation was called to operate. God's saying this is how my people look and operate, and this is how you're going to extend uh, the love. Leah, you look like you have a question. Your hand is up. Leviticus 19.33. I'm not used to people raising their hands in sermons. You can just shout out or do whatever. Uh, so that was, so God's saying, he gives his list of commands of saying, this is how my people are going to operate. This is how they're going to represent me. And you can go all through uh, um, the Old Testament canon and see how that, how that plays out from um, ceremonial laws to civil laws to moral laws. That's taking the kind of Westminster definition of how to divide them. But, but regardless, he's saying, this is how I want you to operate. This is how I want you to look. When a stranger comes in, you're not going to do him any wrong. Don't hurt him. <laughs> that's number one. Don't hurt the people, <laughs> Right? And he says, you're going to love them just like you love the native, right? You're going to treat them equally. You're going to welcome them in. You can see the hospitality in here. But then he gives the why. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. The same thing that we see in Ephesians 2.12. Remember that you were strangers in a land. You were slaves, and I set you free. Therefore, when a stranger comes in... You welcome them, you treat them the same, right? No, I don't, so 
at this point, everyone's probably like, okay, yeah, if someone comes through our doors or whatever, I'm not going to punch them. I'm not going to hurt them. I promise to be good. I'll be on my best behavior. Um, but I think there's a huge difference between uh, the first part of the verse, don't hurt them, do them no wrong, and treat them as a native among them and loving them as yourself. I think there's a progression there. And so um, one of the reasons why there's several commands, we've only gotten to one in the New Testament, um, of why we're reminded to be hospitable towards outsiders and towards those in our own household um, is because he, he later goes on in Deuteronomy chapter four to give a purpose of the law. I love referencing this. This is my favorite uh, reference to the law, uh, or at least the, uh, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament. It's right before, in Deuteronomy chapter four, comes right before Deuteronomy chapter five, which is the second giving of the Ten Commandments, the second giving of the law, the Ten Words, and chapter 4 describes about, it's about uh, chapter 4 verses like 1 through 12 or 15 or something. You can read it on your own. He states the purpose of the law. He states the purpose of the Ten Commandments and the subsequent case laws that follow. And he talks about when you go into a land, other people are going to see you and they're going to notice your law and they're going to see how you operate. And they're going to say, what great law you have, what great righteousness, and what great God that you have near you. And so that's the commonwealth of Israel. Translate that to now, as we live in a community of people here in the church, we're actually called to operate in such a way that we have laws, and churches would say they have bylaws and different standards, but we're just called to be a certain type of people that have certain characteristic traits that other people see and say they operate by a separate law. They look different. And what great God they have that is near them, right? That's why we should be hospitable. And so back to the New Testament, let's look at Romans 12, 9 through 13. Love must be free of hypocrisy. Detest what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer. I like all those things. It's all very uh, ethereal. I can kind of define those in my own way sometimes. Uh, Romans 9, I'm sorry, Romans 12, 9, uh, I'm going through 13. But then when you get to 13, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. And he goes on to list a, a slew of other things. And so the ESV says practicing, but the NASB, excuse me, says pursue hospitality. This is something we don't want to lose. We have to be reminded because we often forget it. Um, if I didn't have people reminding me or think about it or have different events, I would often forget hospitality. I'd often forget, well, probably most things in the Lord uh, if I wasn't reminded by other people or by the scriptures regularly. Um, but again, this is an active characteristic. One of the things you can understand um, 
about the book of Romans is there's 11 chapters of theology, just argumentation, building up. And chapter 12 is like, okay, so how do we live? Renew your mind. Okay. And what? What's next? And then it lists some very simple things. And hospitality is one of those base, simple things that we're called to operate as a community. It's an active pursuit. So that's within our own household. Uh, Hebrews 13, 12 talks about being hospitable to strangers. And so Christians, we as a church should regularly be hospitable, I'm sorry, routinely and inherently welcome outsiders. Hebrews 13, 2, do not neglect uh, hospitality to strangers. For by this, some have entertained angels without knowing it. So it's again, it's a command, don't neglect it. Uh, It's in our slogan, Grace Christian Fellowship, acceptance as you are. That's the first part. Anybody can come through our doors. Uh, And, you know, we have that as a slogan, but that's supposed to be, um, uh, you know, Romans 9 says, love must be free of hypocrisy. And he, you know, encompasses practicing or pursuing hospitality as part of that. And so, Uh, Just practically, think about how um, the world works. Uh, We've got a slogan. Every business has a slogan. We know that businesses don't follow their slogans all the time. We know that churches don't follow their slogans if they have a slogan all the time or their name. Grace is in our name, right? And so people read or presumably read on our uh, banner outside and on our sign, acceptance as you are. And they come in. And if they don't feel accepted as they are, what do they do? They might leave. Uh, They call us hypocrites, because we are. And they're right. Is that right? If we say acceptance as you are, and that's our slogan, and that's what everybody should be going for, that's what we should all have, you know, this one mind about that. Uh, And we should be routinely, anybody can come through these doors. Uh, anybody is welcome in here. Um, it doesn't matter uh, if you're currently high or if you have bed bugs or if you just got out of jail or rehab. None of that matters. You can come through our doors. Uh, maybe if you have a problem with punching people in the face and you're actively struggling against that, maybe I'll towards you to like Sydney or somebody. Uh, he's very welcoming, but, but we can help you. Um, but remember, this is supposed to define like who we are. This is a major characteristic, being welcoming, being hospitable. The early Christians um, in Acts, you know, says they were meeting daily and breaking bread in each other's household. Um, you know, I don't, it doesn't give any clear signs in Acts chapter 2, whether they were meeting regularly in any building except for the temple to pray uh, at the hour of prayer. Um, so they surely were acting as a church. I'm not sure exactly where they were meeting on the Lord's Day, <clears throat> but they were breaking bread um, daily and meeting with each other in various households. And so look at the qualifications for elders. Uh, Titus 1.8, we won't read them, but Titus 1.8 and 1 Timothy 3.2 talks about uh, being hospitable as a measure by which you would say these people are qualified for leadership. And so don't think, oh, 
well, that's leadership. They're hospitable. They have people over for dinner. They do things. They greet the new people. Uh, they sit next to people they wouldn't normally sit next to in the fellowship hall. Um, don't think of the qualifications for elders and deacons as this high standard. When you read that, that's a low standard. That's like the bar minimum. Don't be a drunkard. <laughs> that's one of the qualifications for eldership. You can't be a drunkard. Does, who's qualified for leadership so far? <laughs> uh, <laughs> right? Just read through the list. It's not, um, it's not the super Christians. It's not these awesome people. It's even in, just to give you, if you don't know the basis for Titus, uh, Paul sending Titus to Crete to set up eldership um, in that local church. And Paul agrees with one of the local Cretans that says um, that the people of Crete are just lazy uh, drunkards and stuff. And they're detestable. Um, and Paul agrees. And so he's setting up an eldership in the church to be a group of people, and he doesn't set the bar high. It's not anything that anybody in this room can't uh, look to, to, to gain or ascertain to. And so similarly, in 1 Timothy 5.10, again, we won't read the whole thing, but later in the book of 1 Timothy, the epistle, Paul's talking about those widows who would need monetary help or some kind of help, uh, much like a welfare, or we do that pretty often um, in our church when we find out there's a need that we, we give to those in need. But he lays out simple qualifications of who should get that money or that help first. And so he lists like, you know, a widow that's at least 60 years old, doesn't have any family members, uh, contributes to the needs of the saints, and shows hospitality, Right? These are the people um, who would actually get the help of their local church first, or just a base qualification of, of if there was a lot of there was a lot of widows in that time, uh, mainly because of the persecution of Christians, and so that was a practical way of how the church uh, was helping those widows. And if there's a um, hundred widows and there's enough money for fifty widows, you got to do something. <laughs> to figure out how to help them, right? Or who would get the, the first help or something. And so again, but that hospitality is a characteristic trait of, of what they would look for um, to help out those in need. It's one of those characteristic traits that should define who we are. And so let's look to Jesus as our pattern for hospitality, for welcoming in uh, anybody. So this should, if you read through the gospels once, this should be pretty clear. Uh, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all who are weary. All, right? Everybody come to me without hesitation. Uh, who does Jesus turn away? No one, right? Uh, Luke 9. Actually, let's go to Luke 7 first. Um, we won't read the account just for time's sake. Uh, and I like to finish on time. Just to give everybody a heads up, you'll have at least 10 minutes for coffee. Uh, so Luke 7 is the account where Jesus is at, um, I, think he's, uh, I think his name is actually Peter, at a Pharisee's house for a, some kind of dinner party. They welcome Jesus over, and there just happens to be a prostitute there uh, that's weeping at Jesus' feet. It doesn't say why she's there. It doesn't say how she got there. Uh, in my mind, it seems to be a trap. 
but anyways, uh, so, but if you recount the, what the Pharisees are saying, there's this prostitute that's weeping at Jesus's feet, who's washing his feet with her tears and her hair, and uh, Jesus discerns what they're saying or thinking, and um, the Pharisees end up talking amongst themselves, saying, if this man, if Jesus knew what type of woman she was, he wouldn't even let her touch him. It's not very hospitable. <laughs> it's not very welcoming, right? But Jesus, uh, in that instance, uses, and we see in the scriptures that, uh, that the prostitute was in the right mode, was in the right position. Uh, and he welcomes her. He doesn't turn her away. Um, often you can look at how the Pharisees or the religious leaders of the day were doing the exact opposite that Jesus was doing. And so, especially the party of the Pharisees was not very welcoming. So, uh, Romans 15.7 probably puts it the most clearly or recapitulates it the most clearly. Therefore, accept or welcome one another just as Christ also accepted or welcomed us for the glory of God. Right? What's it about? It's about the glory of God. How did Christ accept you? Did he make you jump through a bunch of hoops first? Did he say, well, after you've been coming to the church and you did the trash duty and you did this, then you can come over to my house for dinner and then we'll talk and be friends. No. Just as, accept people, one another, just as Christ has also accepted us. Did they come through the door? Are they here? That's all they need. That's the one qualification. Um, just as Christ did it, right? That's our source of emulation. So it doesn't matter uh, if you're poor, ugly, smelly, if you have bed bugs, uh, if you're positive for COVID. Actually, if you're positive for COVID, please stay home and keep people safe, but we'll welcome you back. Uh, you're welcome into our community. Um, as far as I'm concerned, you can come to my house anytime with any of those qualifications. Uh, the, only per- the only people I would probably have trouble welcoming is probably politicians. <laughs> That's just a side note. But that would just be personally hard for me. Um, but Christians have always been historically the people in a people group throughout church history to show hospitality, to be welcoming. Um, and that plays out in different ways. Not just I don't mean just like having people over for dinner. They've always been a people characterized by bringing other people in. And so... Most notably in my mind is how Christians have historically started orphanages and hospitals, and especially in the first two centuries, uh, the Rome in, in you know colonized Rome, uh, they didn't have uh, abortion as we have it today, where you can go into a room and do it privately. They would throw their babies out on the street, and the Christians would pick them up, and they would raise them as their own. And so you see those kind of things in church history of how our uh, spiritual mothers and fathers have, have shown hospitality in, in the past um, to anybody. To, they're just, that's who we have to be characterized. That's what we have to be characterized by. And so uh, we're going to flip back to uh, Luke 9. Luke 9, 11 um, recounts that uh, the crowds were aware of this. That is that Jesus was going with his disciples. Uh, this is right before Jesus feeds the 5,000 in Luke 9. 
And so he's trying to get away somewhere privately with his disciples for rest. Uh, He's had a long day of ministry, probably a long week or year. The crowds were aware of this and followed him. They were aware that they were tired and weary from ministry. So what did the crowds do? They followed him for more ministry. And he welcomed them, that is Jesus, and he welcomed them and began speaking to them about the kingdom of God and curing those who had need of healing. And so think about that as a pattern. What did Christ do? Just using that example, but all throughout the Gospels, people are coming to Christ. He's not turning them away. He's welcoming them and speaking about the kingdom of God. He's teaching them. He's training them. He's very focused. So uh, in the last kind of 10 or 15 minutes, uh, I just want to talk about how we can use hospitality as a weapon for the kingdom. So Ephesians 5 15 through 17. So then, be careful how you walk, not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Uh, We all have a tendency to just float through life. I do. I was a drifter most of my life, Uh, just doing whatever felt good and pleasing and... um, going wherever the wind blew me, right? Um, but that's not how we're called. And so when you get converted to Christ, that's something that should change. We should be very purposeful, meaningful. Everything we do is for the glory of God. Everything, whether we eat or whether we drink, it's all for the glory of God. Um, so be careful how you walk, making the most of your time, Right? Just think about that admonition. The days are evil. The world's trying to get you. Your own sin nature's trying to get you. You have a whole satanic kingdom of uh, demonic forces trying to get you. Are we just going to float through? Or are we going to grab hold of the word of God, take hold of grace, and be purposeful? And mainly I'm saying this because uh, we live in a world where we see people hurting and broken and alienated and marginalized all the time. And we have to be the people. We could use hospitality. We could use a dinner to welcome them into the kingdom. That, like, think about that in Luke 9. That was an opportunity that Christ saw to talk about the kingdom of God. Maybe you don't feel prepared to talk about the kingdom of God. But guess what? That doesn't matter. Uh, you can still be hospitable. If you're here, um, if you're you know, a regenerate Christian, if you're in Christ, you have a testimony, you can be hospitable. And just the simple fact of being welcoming does wonders. Um, I'm going to jump in on my notes uh, a little bit. Uh, Acts 11.3, I don't think I wrote that one down, but I'm going to turn to that real quick and just kind of show you how contrast we're called to be as Christians. Um, so this is after the Holy Spirit fell on the Gentiles, right? There was, what's amazing to me, in, to Peter, the, the, the foundation of the church, uh, it's 
Acts 10 is like eight to 10 years later after Pentecost, and he still doesn't realize like the Gentiles are going to be welcomed in. Uh, and so you get to the Holy Spirit falling on through this experience, through the, ba- the baptism of the Spirit into the Gentiles, Peter realizes, oh, this is what God's doing. He's actually bringing in people who aren't Jewish. Um, and so he reports that back to the church. And so Acts 11.3, I'm sorry, it's actually 11.2. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him saying, you went to the uncircumcised men and ate with them. That was their criticism. You're telling me like, these people got baptized in the spirit, they're speaking in tongues, they're prophesying, they're glorifying God, and you're mad that you sat down with a non-Jewish Gentile person. That's the mindset. And so that's what we're combating against. If it could get uh, a party of the Jews, it could get us. And so um, some of us, as just using hospitality as a weapon for the kingdom, we primarily learn things two ways, through reading about it, through learning about it, through head knowledge, and through experience. Um, experience being the other way. And so some people, like, um, I could sit down with my two daughters and I could do studies with them and kind of write down, I can show a graph of how much I love them, and I could tell them that, and I could show them on a piece of paper, but that doesn't matter if they don't experience it, right? And so some people, uh, we could use hospitality. We don't have to know hardly anything about the Lord or about Scripture, but just them being welcomed in is a, utilized for the kingdom. That's a part anybody can play. And so some people are so alienated and estranged, and um, you wouldn't even know it, right? You can't look around the room and say, who feels welcome and who doesn't feel welcome? Who feels like they belong and who doesn't feel like they belong? And you, may not, you might not never know, but you can welcome people who you don't know as well in our church and welcome outsiders into your home and you can have them over for dinner and you can uh, invite them to events and different things. And that experience might lead to uh, a lasting friendship that gives you an opportunity to talk about the kingdom or it might just make them feel welcome, like, hey, somebody actually cares. Uh, just a personal testimony when I started to get converted to Christ, I didn't have any friends, but that's my fault. Uh, and so Nathan welcomed me in, and uh, he would make me eggs every week uh, for dinner. And he was the first friend I had, like the first real friend. And he used that as an opportunity to disciple me and get me reading scripture and growing in the Lord. And uh, I didn't probably get most of it, of whatever he said, um, but I did get that he was my friend, and he didn't care how messed up I was. He didn't care, uh, you know, about my past or anything I had done. He just welcomed me in, and it changed my life. And I'm just saying that could change anybody's life. Um, so what also might happen when you show hospitality? What might happen uh, when you invite somebody in the church over to your house for dinner and you talk to them and you see that you have the same burden of the Lord from something, how might that start a ministry? How might that think of, oh, well, uh, or getting thinking about like other avenues to minister to other people, right? And that's facilitated by just having someone over for dinner, sitting down, talking with them, asking, hey, so what's the Lord doing in your life? What do you feel like a burden from the Lord is? Uh, We hear this quite a bit from up here, but 
you know, just try it out and see what happens. Get wild. When you have fellowship time, you know, in the fellowship hall, sit by somebody you don't normally sit by and just see what happens. Ask them what the burden of the Lord is from them. Uh, so this is your warning. You can be prepared to have a burden from the Lord. If you don't have one, <laughs> get one. Uh, right? But how would that change? Like, if you don't, how would those ministries start? How would those burdens get developed? How would you see those played out if you never were hospitable, if you never sat down and talked with them? Um, so hospitality as evangelism. Uh, again, the Acts 11 passage. Uh, and then, you know, back to, again, Luke 9, where, you know, he welcomed them, he didn't turn them away, and he used it as an opportunity to speak of the kingdom of God. How might it change someone's life or the opportunities you get to talk about or just give your testimony by welcoming in, welcoming in outsiders, having them over for dinner, having non-Christian friends over, having, how would that open up a door for you to talk about what the Lord's done for you or, uh, you know, to just make them feel welcome and then give them an opportunity, uh, invite them to be part of a community uh, or, you know, see where their, um, I always take a weird route and see where their epistemology is. Like, how do you know things? And that opens up a door to, you know, talking about scripture and, and God and, um, you know, various things. Use hospitality for evangelism. Um, yeah, so, you know, just think on those Ephesians 5, uh, that Ephesians 5 pass, passage in conjunction with showing hospitality, welcoming in people, uh, I'd encourage, you know, um, we have fellowship time, you know, fellowship all, we have lunches. Uh, consider preparing your home um, and having it prepared to invite people over. It doesn't have to be uh, super fancy. It does, none of that stuff actually matters of like how you do it. It doesn't have to be the greatest china. Uh, it could be paper plates. Um, I recently listened to a John Piper sermon uh, on hospitality, and he said, use paper plates on Sunday. Invite people over on Sunday. Nobody should have to do the dishes. Everybody said amen, uh, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be a high-end thing. Your house doesn't have to be super clean. But I would consider, you know, ask everyone to consider, how can you make your home uh, just a site or a battleground for the kingdom to welcome people in, to have people over, what would that take? How would you have to work with your husband or your wife or, uh, or your kids uh, to get to a point to have people over or your roommates or whatever? Consider uh, investing you know, a portion or a time in your, you know, just a time in the week or in the month or whatever to just show hospitality, to invite somebody who you're not as close to in the church, um, who's different from you or invite you know, a stranger over um, but is your home ready to be hospitable? Uh, consider investing some time and energy into doing whatever it would take to get your home to that level. I don't know what that is for each individual. You go home and look and decide. Uh, whether that's cleaning or getting a bigger table or uh, 
you know, budgeting, you know, having a weekly or monthly budget to say, hey, we're going to do this and we're going to have a dinner and we're not going to expect anybody to bring anything. We just want to welcome them in. Consider things like that. Um, uh, you know, uh, to throw Nathan under the bus again, consider buying a dilapidated house next to yours, tearing it down and fencing it in and having parties there. Uh, that's the level of hospitality that I think uh, we're not all called to buy dilapidated houses, but you know, we're called to say, what are we going to do? What can we sacrifice for God to, for other people, to welcome other people, to speak the kingdom of God, to have an opportunity? And I would argue just to, if it takes you know, uh, putting apart money and time and energy to have people over for dinner, if it opens up an opportunity to talk about the kingdom of God, it's worth it. That's what's worth it. And so I exhort everybody to have a greater vision of hospitality and think about how you can welcome in, you know, and be hospitable to people in our own community um, and welcome in outsiders. So with that, we've got plenty of time for coffee and let's close in prayer. Uh, Lord, we come here to submit to you, to submit to your word, to glorify you. Uh, we just pray, Lord, that you would change us by the Holy Spirit to be obedient to your word. Change our hearts, change our minds. Give us a strategic plan uh, to implement the things that you care about, to uh, implement welcoming in the sojourner, the alienated, and those who are excluded, and to be especially hospitable to those in our own community. We pray this through your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen.